learn it together if you don't know it. You ready? You ready to sing? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new
a minister was out um, making a wooden trellis to support a climbing vine. And as he was pounding away, he noticed the little boy was watching him. And the little boy didn't say a word, so the preacher just kept on working, thinking that he would eventually leave, but he didn't. Well, pleased at the thought that uh, his work was being admired, the pastor finally said, Well, son, trying to pick up some pointers on gardening? The little boy said, No, I'm just waiting to hear what a preacher says when he hits his thumb, hits his thumb with a hammer. <laughs> People are listening. They're listening to what uh, we say, not just preachers, but all of us. They're listening to you. And we're thinking about this series, Sticks and Stones, The Power of Words. And we learned last week that our words matter, our words are powerful, and our words have consequences. And we kind of laid out for you a theme verse for this series. It's Proverbs 18 and verse 21. I think it sums up what we've been talking about and thinking about. Would you read it with me, please, out loud? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's kind of been our theme verse. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Pastor Ray Ortland said that the tongue can kill literally. He told about a woman in Los Angeles who took her own life. And the only thing written on her suicide note were these words, they said, they said. In his suicide note, Vince Foster of the Clinton White House uh, wrote of Washington, and I quote, Here ruining people is considered a sport. Death is in the power of the tongue, end quote. He said that's why Jesus says in Matthew twelve thirty six, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. He said words do not even have to be intentional to be deadly. They can be careless. And, you know, I think the careless words are those that are usually the most deadly, beloved. It's important that we be careful with our words. And the problem with doing a sermon series like this, not only preparing it and preaching it, but listening to it. Is boy, it sure does catch you all throughout the week, doesn't it? When you're talking, when you're speaking, and you find yourself slipping and falling on your tongue. But we dare not be careless with our words. We dare not loosely throw them around. John Calvin said something, and I ran across this quote, and it's not the most pleasant quote, and it's pretty shocking of a quote, but I think it's such a true quote, I'm going to share it with you. And here's what he said. I consider looseness with words no less of a defect than looseness of the bowels. Now, that's not a pretty picture, but it's an accurate picture. Looseness of words is no less a defect than looseness of the bowels. And both are something that we don't want to be involved with. So today I want to talk with you upon this theme Talking to others, talking to others. Now, remember, when I say talking, I'm talking about every form of communication that we use, whether we're talking verbally with our voice, whether we're writing with an ink pen, whether we're typing or, 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 or typing or tweeting or, or singing or whatever way we communicate. It covers what we're looking at in this series. So I want to explore with you today what the Bible says about talking to others, because a lot of our talk is talking to other people. And I want to give you three main things to remember when it comes to talking to others. And if you want to jot these down, you can take one of those cards in the pew rack. Uh, you can jot it down in your notes, uh, put it there in your margin. But three main thoughts as we look at what the Bible has to say. 
And by the way, we're going to be in a lot of Scripture today. Uh, we're going to be in several different places. I'm going to put all as much as I can of the Scripture up on the screen. You might want to jot the references down to go back later. If you can follow along with me as fast as we go, that's great. It's great practice for sword drills to see if you can get there with me. Uh, but just at least jot them down and uh, be able to, to go back and reference these. But three main things to remember when talking to others. And the first one might surprise you. But when it comes to talking to others, first of all, listen thoroughly. Listen thoroughly. You say, well, preacher, that's kind of an unusual way to begin a message on talking to others by saying, well, the first thing you need to do is listen thoroughly. But I have biblical precedent uh, for starting the message that way. In fact, I want you to look at what James chapter 1 and verse 19 says. James 1, 19 says, so then, my beloved brethren, he's writing to believers. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. And then it says what? Slow to speak, slow to wrath. And so let every man be swift to hear. Uh, How many of us, when we were growing up, you were told by maybe your mom or your dad or somebody that you have two ears and one mouth. So therefore, I want you to listen more than you talk. You know, the Bible is very clear that we're to be good listeners. Look at Proverbs 18, 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Proverbs 18, 13. Uh, Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 7. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Verse 7 goes on to say, a time to keep silence. And a time to speak. Listening is so important. Notice Proverbs 17, 28. Uh, Here's an interesting verse. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. And so sometimes we're looked upon better if we just are quiet and don't speak according to Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 20. And I guess uh, Keith Whitley and uh, later Alison Krauss, I guess they're right at times when they're saying you say it best when you say nothing at all. Uh, sometimes when you're talking to other people, the best thing you can do is not to talk. Just just listen. Just keep your mouth shut. Just listen. I mean, really listen. You know, there's a difference between listening and really listening. Uh, Bible teacher Mary Cassian points out that listening is an active process more than uh, using more than just the ears. Uh, She said, in fact, the Chinese character uh, for the verb to listen, uh, it, it contains the symbols for ears, eyes, heart and undivided attention. Um, She said that the average person speaks between 100 and 150 words per minute. But we think at a rate of 600 words per minute. And so she says our minds have a lot of spare time to use while other people are talking. And she encourages us to use them to focus on what the speaker is saying. And she listed in her book on her Bible study on on the mouth and on, on speaking conversation. She listed some barriers that come up in our lives when it comes to listening. In fact, she listened. She listed five listening barriers. Let me go through them with you real quickly. Here's the first listening barrier that she mentioned. First of all, running ahead, running ahead. Uh, That's the barrier where you're thinking about what you're going to say next or you're planning a rebuttal. And so, in other words, the other person's talking in your mind, you're running ahead of what they're saying. And the whole time you're thinking about what you're going to say or how you're going to defend yourself rather than listening uh, to what. And by the way, this is going to be a convicting list. Okay, I will just tell you that I had to repent uh, this past week running ahead. Secondly, wandering off. 
this is being preoccupied or thinking about personal interest or daydreaming. Some of you are doing this right now as I'm speaking. Uh, you're wandering off. And uh, that is a barrier. Somebody else is talking. Somebody else is saying something they consider important. And we're busy putting up a barrier by wandering off. Thirdly, uh, jumping in. Jumping in. Uh, so this is jumping into the person's conversation, interrupting their thoughts to interject your thoughts. And uh, you, we're not really listening. We're busy again, I guess, running ahead so we can jump in. Fourth, brushing away, brushing away. Uh, that's where you mentally you're categorizing what they're saying, saying, well, listen, this isn't important. Uh, this isn't significant. And you're kind of in your own mind uh, assuming that you already understand them. You already know what they're going to say. You already know their perspective. And so you're kind of brushing over what they're saying in your own mind. Uh, you're putting these things together. And then fifth, and this is a really sad barrier, blocking out, blocking out what the other person is saying. In other words, you refuse to acknowledge the topic or acknowledge what the person is saying. Or you're selectively filtering the message to block out portions of what's being said. And this can happen so much in, in marriage relationships and, and maybe in um, parent-child relationships and so forth where you're not listening to what the other person is saying and you're blocking it out and you're intentionally putting up a barrier uh, to that person. And I'll be honest with you, as I've studied this, as I've, I've gone through this, I had to repent. And I've failed many times. And, and maybe you're here today. You say, you know what? You have as well. And by the way, if I've, ever, if I've ever failed you, please forgive me. If I've ever done one of these things to you, I'm sorry. When it comes to listening, we need to listen or speaking. rather, We need to listen thoroughly. Listen to what the other person is saying. Understanding that talking to others is a two-way street. It's a conversation. And so we, we've listened thoroughly. Now it's time to speak carefully. When talking to others, speak carefully. We know that our tongues can get us in a world of trouble and our tongues can cause a world of trouble. So we must speak carefully. Now, let's be honest with you. This is such a huge topic that we could spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks talking about different nuances and different facets. But I don't want us to do that. I want us to kind of get a big uh, picture view in this series. And so I've kind of lumped some things together today. But let's just get kind of a big picture here when it comes to speaking carefully. We need to be careful, first of all, not to lie and to sow discord. Be careful not to lie and sow discord. Let me show you a passage of Scripture, Proverbs 6, 16 and 19. I know it's a little bit small, but I want you to see it all at one swoop. It says, these six things the Lord hates... Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Now, I want you to notice where the tongue comes in. Number one is a proud look. Number two is a lying tongue. Then hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift in running to evil. Then notice number uh, the next one. A false witness who speaks lies. And then notice the last one. And one who sows discord. Among the brethren. So we see very clearly there the tongue is involved in, in some of these uh, uh, seven things the Lord hates. They're an abomination. A lying tongue, a false witness who speaks lies. And you say, why would you highlight the last one? Well, how do people primarily sow discord among the brethren? How do they do it? With their mouths. They speak with their mouths and they stir. Have you heard? Can you believe? Did you see? Have, uh, do you understand? Did you hear about so and so? And so God says, listen, I hate that. 
I hate that. Sowing discord. I hate a false witness who speaks lies. I hate a lying tongue. So we have to be careful here, beloved, not to lie and sow discord. And then secondly, here's another big one here. We need to be careful not to curse or take the Lord's name in vain or speak filthy words. And by the way, our world is filled with that right there. The airwaves is filled with that. And it's, it's becoming more and more prevalent. But be careful not to curse, take the Lord's name in vain, or speak filthy words. Let's get some scripture. Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Uh, look at Romans chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they practice deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Uh, look at Colossians 3, verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. And so we're going to be careful when it comes to speaking that we're not lying. We're not sowing discord. We're not cursing. We're not taking the Lord's name in vain. We're not speaking filthy words. And then one more today. We've got to be careful that we are not busy gossiping. Mm. Gone from preaching to meddling now. Gossiping. What does the Bible say about gossip? Look at Proverbs sixteen twenty-eight. A perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 19. He who goes about as a tale bearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. So we have a tale bearer and a flatterer in that particular uh, passage. Um, in 2 Corinthians twelve twenty, Paul wrote, For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and then I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. And here's what he says, Lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, and tumults. And so we've got to be careful. He says, listen, I want to make sure that's not going on. Back around the time of the First World War, Morgan Blake wrote these words. Who am I? I am more deadly than the screaming shells from the howitzer. I win without killing. I tear down homes, break hearts and wreck lives. I travel on the wings of the wind. No innocence is strong enough to intimidate me. No purity pure enough to daunt me. I have no regard for truth, no respect for justice, no mercy for the defenseless. My victims are as numerous as the sands of the sea and often as innocent. I never forget and seldom forgive. My name is gossip. Gossip, beloved. And, you know, I understand that this goes on not only in those that do not know the Lord, but it goes on in believers lives. Oftentimes it's disguised as prayer requests. I want you to pray for so-and-so. Have you heard? No, what? And this is just for prayer. Now listen, is it wrong to pray? No. But before you share a prayer request with somebody else, why don't you make sure you're praying first? Because sometimes prayer requests are a means of gossip. One of the things I'm praying, I was praying this past week, you know, God is blessing us, and I'm grateful. 
And God is working in our church. And God is doing things that we're just so grateful. We stand back and we praise Him. And we're praying that God will continue to do that. But I know the enemy loves to interrupt and the enemy loves to to bring down. The enemy loves to disrupt. And what often happens is they can't get us from the outside coming in. What often happens is the enemy begins on the inside and we find ourselves backbitings and contentions and selfish ambitions and outbursts of wrath and all of those things. And so I pray that God would use these times of thinking about how we talk to help not only build up one another, but the church and everybody else. So before we, we, we speak, we need to stop and think. Now, this isn't new. You've probably seen this, but it's so good I'll give it to you again. Before you speak, stop and think. And you see each one of those letters, T-H-I-N-K, stands for something to remind you. First of all, before you speak, you want to stop and think. First of all, T, is it true? Is what you're about to say true? And if you say, I don't know it's true, then don't say it. But sometimes, even if it is true, as you'll see, we probably still may not need to say it. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? Something can be true, but not helpful. Something can be honestly true. I mean, it's as true as it can be, but it's not helpful to speak it. I, is it inspiring? Um, Is it uh, a positive impact? Is it going to build up somebody? Is it going to help somebody? Is it going to inspire in a positive way? In, of course, is, is it necessary? How many things do we say that are not necessary to be said? And then, of course, K is a really important one. Is it kind? Is it kind? Um, I think it goes back to what we said sometimes. Just don't say anything uh, if you can't say something nice. Right. You'll be told that by your mom growing up. You can't say something nice. Don't say anything at all. I love what uh, Karen Almond said, she said, don't say something permanently painful because you're temporarily ticked off. Boy, that's good, isn't it? Don't say something permanently painful because you're temporarily ticked off. That careless word that slips out. You know, I've heard it likened to like a tube of toothpaste. Once you squeeze that toothpaste out, you ever tried to get it back in? (laughs) Or it's like a shotgun. Once you pull the trigger, you can't go back out there and retrieve all those pellets. You can't go out there and retrieve uh, the shells. And so we have to be careful with our mouths. Well, we're getting convicted, aren't we? So let's move on. Right. Uh, We've talked about so far in our study when talking to others, listen thoroughly, speak carefully. Now, here's something I hope you'll catch. And we need to make sure that we're blessing liberally, bless liberally. When it comes to talking to other people, the Bible is very clear that we need to be a blessing to other people with our speech. Look at Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good. Good for what? For necessary edification. That means to build up. That it may impart grace to the hearers. We want to bless other people with our speech. And it's a good reminder that we need to focus on other people when we're talking, not just ourselves. I was at a conference the other week, as many of you know, and Urban Lutzer of the Moody Church of Chicago told the following story. He said that Hillary Clinton was campaigning in Iowa and she went to a retirement home and sitting down with an old man. She's there. She asked the old man if he knew who she was. And the old man looked at Hillary Clinton and said these words. I don't know, but if you'll go to the desk, they can tell you. We need to make sure that we're focusing on others as we talk. Yes, we can mention ourselves and our interests, but we need to be focusing 
upon other people. And just like the other points, there's so much we could say, but let's just focus on three main thoughts under blessing uh, people. First of all, when speaking to others, use gracious words. Use gracious words. I just gave you there Ephesians 4, 29. Let, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Uh, just as God has extended grace to us, we need to extend grace to other people. So, so speak gracious words. Secondly, you want to speak. Um, oh, there it was. Uh, we want to speak truthful words, truthful words. Truthful words. Look at Ephesians 4.15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. We need to be honest with our words. Now, we're living in a day where political correctness is to be practiced at all costs. But as followers of Christ, we're not called to be politically correct. We're called to be biblically correct. This morning's adult Sunday school lesson fits in so nicely with what we're talking about today. As, as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stood up and said uh, in, in a very humble and I think gracious way, but a firm way. We're not careful to answer you, King Nebuchadnezzar, but we're not going to bow down. We're not going to do these things. And our God is able to deliver us. And if he doesn't, we're still not going to do what you have told us to do. We need to be honest. We need to speak the truth. We need to speak it in love with the right heart motive. Well, graciously, as kindly as we can, but firmly and resolvedly, we need to speak the truth and not be afraid of what the world is trying to do as it's trying to pressure uh, pressure us into its mold. So speak gracious words, speak truthful words. And here's an important one. Don't forget this one. You want to speak encouraging words. You want to speak encouraging words. Would you turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13, please? The Old Testament Numbers. Numbers chapter 13. I think I'm correct in saying this, but I think everybody benefits from an encouraging word. I think everybody needs an encouraging word from time to time. There's enough discouragement in our world, and discouragement can have devastating effects upon people. And so we need to be encouraging other people with our words. You know, you could say an encouraging word to someone, they could live on that all week. And you could say a discouraging word. They might live on that all year. Encouraging words are so, so important. Now, we have the story of the 12 spies that Moses sent into the promised land to spy on it. You remember that there were 12 spies and two of them brought back a good report. Their names were Joshua and Caleb. And who were the 10 that we don't remember them, right? But ten spies brought back an evil report. Now, notice Numbers 13, beginning at verse 31. Numbers 13, verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants of the descendants of Anak come from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Now put your finger there. Don't stop. But you hear the report. We can't go up. We can't go. The giants in the land. We were like grasshoppers. It's terrible. Look at chapter 14, verse 1. See the impact of discouraging words. Chapter 14, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. 
And the people wept that night. And look at what else happens. Verse 2. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. What? Notice what else it says. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Verse 3. Why has the Lord... You notice they start out, they're weeping, they're crying. Then they start complaining to Moses and Aaron. And then they turn on the Lord. Verse 3. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? I'd say, have you lost your mind? Verse 4. So they said to one another, let us select a leader... And return to Egypt. Why? What was the source of that? A bad word, a bad report, discouraging words. Ten people. Ten. And meanwhile, Joshua got up and said, no, we can go. Our God's greater. We can go. But ten people turned the heart of a multitude of people. And if you remember the story, this led to 40 year death march. Where that whole generation dies off, except for Joshua and Caleb, they died off. Our words are powerful. Our words have consequences. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So speak gracious words, speak truthful words, and speak encouraging words. Now, I'm going to close with this. In my study, I ran across something that Warren Wearsby shared that was so good. I said, you know what? I've got to share it with you. And he calls it 12 words that can transform your life. Twelve words that can transform your life. And if you'll use these words sincerely, I don't mean just as a magic potion. I don't mean just making them up. I don't mean pretending. I don't mean faking. If you'll honestly and truthfully use these twelve words, you can be a blessing to other people. You can find that God can use you. And there's only twelve words that you need to use to be a blessing in a great way. You ready for the twelve words? I would encourage you to write these down. Twelve words that can transform your life. Here's the first three. Please and thank you. Please thank you. He says when you use these three words, you're treating other people like people and not things. Listen, you're showing appreciation. You're showing good manners. I don't care who it is. We ought to use those words. Whether it's a waiter, a waitress, whether it's somebody at the cash register, you just say those words, please and thank you. You may be the only ones that say that to them. Please and thank you. Here's two more. These can be difficult. Might be much harder than the first three. The words, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm. They have a way of breaking down walls and bridges. Listen, if you cannot say so, I don't say I'm sorry, then you're proud. You have a heart problem. We said last week that really we speak. Jesus says that what's in our heart comes out of our mouth. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. And our mouth is just a reflection of what's in our heart. And so you say, I don't say I'm sorry to people. Then you have a heart that's not right with God. And you need to get that heart right with God because there's times we have to say, I'm sorry. Here's three more words. Probably some of the most powerful words. You probably already guessed them. I love you. I love you. He said too many people read romance into these words, but they go much deeper than that. As Christians, we should love the brethren and as Christians, we should love our enemies. He says, I love you as a statement that can carry tremendous power. 
And I want to encourage you to use that. Listen, moms and dads, if you don't say that to your children, start saying it. I love you. Husbands, do you say that to your wife? Wives, do you say that to your husband? Do you say it to your parents? Are we saying that one to another and meaning it? I love you. Those are powerful words. Then there's four more and we're through. The last four words he mentioned here are these. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Now, listen, you got to be careful because we can be real, real carefully lie with that one. Well, I'm praying for you and never pray for them. And so if you're going to say, I'm praying for you, you need to pray for them. You know, a lot of people do is you say, see them on Sunday and say, brother, I'm praying for you. And you go the whole week, you don't pray. You see them coming at you on Sunday. Lord, please bless them. Hey, brother, I'm praying for you. I guess that's better than lying, right? Or is that, is that, is that lying? Anyway, when you talk to God about people, then you can talk to people about God. Listen, our private praying for people uh, helps us in our public meeting with people. And so maybe you've got some stressful times. Maybe you've got some, some relationships. Or maybe you've got a, a business meeting. Or you've got a meeting. Or wherever it might be. And you know there's tension and stress. Stop a moment and pray for those people. And then when you use those words, don't say it in a boastful way. Like, well, I'm praying for you like I'm really somebody. No, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you, brother. I'm praying for you, sister. And I can't think of any greater gift you can give to people than to pray for them. Say it in an encouraging way. Let them know that you care enough about them to take the time to pray for them. So here's what I want to challenge you with this week. This past week, I challenged you to pray that prayer. And I hope you did each morning. Good morning, Lord. This is the day you have made. Help me to rejoice and be glad in it. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And if you did that this past week, I hope that you saw a difference in your day and your speech and your life. Now, this week, I want to challenge you. Keep on doing that, if you will. But see how many of those words you can use each day. Not fake. Not uh, without sincerity. But sincerely, sincerely see how many times I can get out these words and mean them. Please. Thank you. I'm sorry. I love you. Now, if you go to strangers, be careful with that one. And then I'm praying for you. And let your speech and your talking to others be a blessing to them, a blessing to you, and a blessing to God. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for the gift of speech and communication. And thank you for this time in your word. And I thank you for these men and women, these boys and girls, these teenagers, each one within the sound of my voice. Lord, I pray your blessings upon them. And help us all to use our speech, our tongues, our mouths to build up and edify and glorify you in all that we say and do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with 216. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. 216. We'll stand up and sing those verses, and then I'm going to uh, pronounce a blessing over you. We're trying to do that during this series as well. 216, oh, for a thousand tons to sing. Let's stand and sing 216. Let's stand. Mm-hmm.